really excited for this one. Let's get started. Yeah, because I don't know how long it'll be peaceful. Okay. So, uh, okay, first, I guess you can say this is a conspiracy, but it is pretty heavy. Today we're going to be talking about the smiley face murders or smiley face killing theory. These are theories that originated from two retired New York City detectives, Kevin Gannon and Anthony Duarte, along with criminal justice professor slash gang expert Dr. Lee at St. Cloud State University in Minnesota. In the early 2000s, there have been at least 45 mysterious deaths surrounding college-age males with a few key things in common. The men are typically found around water or in the water. These men are typically athletic, popular, and healthy. Most cases are ruled an accidental drowning or undetermined drowning as the cause of death, and a graffiti smiley face is typically found near the body. As of right now, there are a suspected 681 total cases that may be connected all within each other. In 2022 alone, there were 11 bodies that were removed from the Chicago River and Lake Michigan under mysterious circumstances. These men were mostly aged around 20s to early 30s, athletic, popular, healthy, and not at all your typical high-risk victim. However, it is to be noted that three of those deaths were ruled accidental, one was a suicide, and the remaining seven were undetermined, per the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office. The first time I had heard about the smiley face killers, because, you know, being from Pittsburgh on Facebook, I do a lot of, like, the news. And that's how I learned about the smiley face killer when, you know, people in the comments would say, oh, there's a serial killer in Pittsburgh. And so that, like, brought my attention to the whole story that you're going to get into here. I remember watching one of the episodes on Oxygen with you. But the smiley face murder theory goes as such. These are usually athletic, popular, and overall healthy men, like I said. They are not typically your high-risk victim. They are usually inebriated in some sort of way, such as coming from bars, clubs, parties, etc., and then they are separated from their friends or party. It is believed these men are then slipped some kind of drug, specifically, I'm going to butcher this, gamma hydroxybutyric acid, or GHB. It is... That sounds perfect. Well, I tried. (laughs) Um, It is used as anesthetic or treatment for cataplexy. I don't even know what that is, cataplexy. Well, it is muscle weakness. It is also a treatment for narcolepsy, which is decreased ability regulating sleep cycles. And they often have involuntary sleep episodes. And alcoholism. It can also be used illegally as an athletic performance enhancer, intoxicant, as well as a date rape drug. Typically, when ingested, GHB reduces the elimination rate of alcohol, and it is reported respiratory arrest can happen after ingesting GHB with alcohol. 
taking high doses of GHB run the risk of becoming unconscious, having seizures, a slower heart rate, and greatly slowed breathing, a lower body temperature, nausea, vomiting, and it can also lead to a coma or death if the dose is high enough. It is believed the killer or killers drug their victims, causing them to become more inebriated and then drive the victims around to torture them before disposing of their bodies in water. It is thought that the victims are disposed in water to destroy any type of potential evidence that could be found on the victim or under their fingernails. In 2019, Oxygen released a six-episode documentary following the suspicious deaths surrounding six potential cases related to the Smiley Face murders. That involved Dakota James, Lucas Homan, Will Hurley, Brian Welzian, Tommy Booth, and Todd Geeb. So I'm going to start with Dakota. Um, Dakota James was last seen on surveillance cameras around 11.30 p.m. on January 25, 2017, entering a dark alleyway in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The picture is terrifying. Not because, you know, you see the boogeyman hiding in the background, but it is the last picture of Dakota. And I'll post a picture of it, but it is eerie, the picture. Dakota attended Duquesne University to earn his master's degree. He had been out drinking with friends and co-workers prior to disappearing. When Dakota did not show up for work, his boss notified family and a missing persons report was filed 72 hours later. A massive citywide search was organized after Dakota's parents hired a private investigator. Dakota's body was not found until March 6, 2017, that is a whole 40 days after his disappearance because he went missing January 25th. They theorized Dakota fell into the Ohio River while crossing a bridge in the city center and drowned. It is believed his body traveled a distance of 10 miles and went through a dam prior to his discovery. However, Police state there was no visible damage on Dakota's body, which was strange due to the river being highly trafficked and potentially going through a dam. Yes, he, he, yeah, he went through a dam that was right there. Yes. So the, he went through a dam. Uh, well, okay, so on the Monongahela and Ohio and Allegheny Rivers out in Pittsburgh, there are things called dams. And it kind of controls the water flow um, down the rest of the river. Back in the 80s, there was a big, we had a flood at where, where I lived in Monongahela. And the Monongahela River runs actually north. Instead of, you know, running south, it runs actually up. And then so it all leads to the Ohio. But I guess at some point, some dams were opened and they shouldn't have been opened. And so I guess someplace in West Virginia flooded. So some, somehow, however the rivers are running, these dams kind of control flooding in other parts of the river area and so they're like big concrete things um there's like certain channels where the boats can can you know still continue to flow but it kind of helps the water control the water levels of the river if that makes any sense okay and and it's like kind of you know it's concrete and i guess there's like metal and stuff in there so any anything that's going to go through the dam is going to be damaged. Yeah. 
An independent autopsy was performed and ligature marks were found on Dakota and revealed mid-December 2018 via press conference where Dakota's mother stated, quote, Today we are here to say that our son Dakota did not get drunk, crossed four lanes of a highway, a cement barrier, just to walk approximately 30 steps to urinate, then accidentally fall into the river. To us, this is a homicide, and we will continue to look for the answers on why and by whom. Detective Kevin Gannon was on their side, as well as Dr. Cyril Wecht. He is an infamous forensic pathologist. Your grandma loved Cyril Wecht. She loved him. He was like, he was the coroner for Allegheny County for years and years. He's very famous, but a lot of people... Uh, I think he was, he even did some of the O.J. Simpson stuff, too. So there, yes, there were some, he's, he's, he's very well known. Very, very well known. He's very, like, very well respected and everything. He was quoted saying, there is no question about there being markings. We would describe these as furrows that would be consistent with some kind of ligature, we cannot tell you exactly what, but the markings are there, and they are clearly discernible. Where were these markings at? They were on his, around his throat, around his neck. Oh, I felt like he was strangled. So what they think happened was he was actually put in the water. Um, there was like there's like boat ramps and stuff where you can just back into the rivers all along. In Pittsburgh. Um, and so what they think was he didn't come through that dam. He was put in after the dam. Yes. Yeah, there Correct. wasn't enough damage around his uh, on his body. You would you would expect gashes and, you know, probably missing parts and things. So his body and plus the decomp didn't match. But I'm sure you're going to get into that. Yeah. And it's January, mid-January, and all the way till March. A body, the way a body um, decomposes, it is a lot faster in water. However, it could have been slowed down because of it being, like, cold water. But... Right. Well, and you're sometimes gonna have... those rivers, back in the day, those rivers used to freeze. And, um, you know, you would see, like, the channel in the middle of the rivers... Um, where the boats and the barges had come through. But, um, yeah, those those rivers, they ice if it's cold. And there would, be, there would be some kind of markage, at least from the ice. And there was no, you know, visible damage on him. And there would have been. And Cyril Wacht, they covered this in Morbid, but... Usually forensic pathologists, they don't, they don't, they try, they, all they want to do at the end of the day is they want to find what happened to the person. They want to get as many details as they can from that person's body. And if he's saying that this is what we see, this is what lines up with this. He's not going to sit there and, again, this man's very, very, very well-respected. He's not going to throw all of his years of experience out the door 
just for something like this, in my opinion. When Dakota's body was discovered, a smiley face was found in close proximity. Dakota was only 23 years old. Wow, so young. Yes. Tommy Booth was last seen celebrating with a group of friends January 19th, 2008. Tommy is also seen on surveillance entering a bar in Woodland, Pennsylvania, but he is never seen leaving the bar. Roughly two weeks later, Tommy's body was found face down in a creek behind the bar with no trauma to his body. His death was ruled a probable drowning. The area that Tommy was found had been repeatedly searched, and former detective Kevin Gannon and Dr. Lee Gilbertson noted Tommy's body appeared to be staged with sticks strategically placed around Tommy, as well as shoe and drag marks in the soil. It is also noted that Tommy's body was in full rigor mortis, which is found to be inconsistent with the belief that Tommy drowned the same night he disappeared. Rigor mortis usually dissipates anywhere within 24 to 36 hours after death, and he went missing January 19th and was found two weeks later. That is highly, 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 highly inconsistent. There were no signs of slippage on Tommy's body, nor was his body bloated, which is also inconsistent with the belief that Tommy drowned the same night he disappeared. Dr. Cyril Wecht also had a few things, including calling Tommy's death, quote, highly suspicious for foul play, and he urged the case to be reopened. A smiley face was also found in close proximity to where Tommy's body was found, just on the bar wall under the deck. Tommy was only 24 years old. Again, very young. Yes. Lucas Homan was last seen September 29, 2006 in La Crosse, Wisconsin. He was celebrating Oktoberfest and bar hopping with friends. You know, he was just having fun doing Oktoberfest. Around 10 p.m. that night, Lucas started home and he got separated from his friend. That friend was eventually picked up by police and ended up at detox in the emergency room with a head injury. The friend did not remember events from that night. And when Lucas did not arrive at a golf outing the following day, a search was conducted in the area downtown where Lucas was last seen with canine units. One of the dogs alerted at an SUV that was owned by someone who played locally in a band, but the alert was found inconclusive. On the Mississippi shore on October 2nd, only a few days after Lucas disappeared, his body was found and death was ruled an accidental drowning with a note in his autopsy stating, quote, Acute alcohol intoxication was a major contributing factor. Kevin Gannon and Dr. Lee Gilbertson noted Lucas had different injuries on his head, arms, and hands. Together, they theorized a mark that was found on his forehead could have been the result of a foot holding Lucas down. And a spray-painted smiley face was found near his body. He was also found to have only been in the water from anywhere from three to 12 hours, less than the 50 hours police noted. 
Lucas' parents took the newfound evidence to La Crosse Police Department in hopes of getting the case reopened. In a nine-year span, Lucas was the eighth accidental drowning in La Crosse, and he was only 21. Again, another young person. Yes, these are very, very young guys, 20 to early 30s. Todd Gee was last seen in the early hours on June 12, 2005 in Casanova, Michigan. Todd was attending a bonfire close to home. The night Todd disappeared, specifically one phone call in particular in which the friend said Todd told her he was in a field. Todd's mother reported him missing a few hours later in the day and a massive search for Todd began. Todd was missing for three weeks before his body was found in a lake that was previously searched. Can we just stop there for a second? Like, yeah. So these are all young men, very fit and active, not easy to, you know, take control of over. So they're using a drug to get control over them. Correct. my bet is it's a woman, and my bet is she's using these drugs, but she blends in. She must blend in enough for nobody to be suspicious of her and can get into helping search for the these people and then put the body after they're done searching an area. She puts it in there. Well, my theory. She's very close to the investigation. She would still have to be pretty strong, I think, even, and you have to think about it, These they're being put into water, and if they're unable to walk or, you know, they're already dead, which I'll cover in a minute, um, that's going to, they're going to be really, really heavy, and I don't, I don't know. I'm thinking used to have a high-profile job, but despite despite no dislikes men enough to want to go after them. But I'm thinking like tried out for police academy. I don't know. This is just me being trying to be a profiler. That's a pretty interesting thought. Todd's mother reported him missing a few hours later in the day and a massive search for Todd began. Todd was missing for three weeks before his body was found in a lake that was previously searched. Todd was found with his head and shoulders out of the water almost like he was swimming and his death was ruled an undetermined drowning and showed little signs of decomposition which would also be highly unlikely if he died the day he was proposed missing a whole 22 days earlier. In the toxicology screen, alcohol and antidepressants were found. Though it is to be noted, family has stated Todd was not suffering from any type of depression when he died. The amount of drugs in his system made it unlikely Todd could have even wandered into the lake and drowned like the police theorized, as he would have been completely incapacitated. According to David, David McDermott, a pharmacist featured in the documentary. 
It is suspected Todd was drugged with the antidepressants versus the GHB found in similar cases. There would be a smiley face found near where his body was, and a smiley face sticker was even found on his gravesite after being laid to rest. Todd was 22 years old. So this one is really, really crazy. William Hurley was a Navy veteran. The Navy would have training in water. He was leaving a Bruins game in Boston, Massachusetts on October 8th, 2009 with two of his friends. About halfway through the hockey game, William called his fiancée, Claire Mahoney, and told her he was ready to leave. When Claire arrived to pick up William, he was nowhere to be seen. Claire called William to ask where he was, and she heard William ask someone where they were, to which the person responded, 99 Nashua Street. William told Claire his phone was dying, and Claire drove to the address the unknown person had given Claire, which was, interestingly enough, only about 150 feet. When she arrived, Claire called William, but his phone went to voicemail, and she suspected his phone had died. She then proceeded to drive around for an hour before going home, assuming William had decided to get a ride home from one of his friends. But when she got home, William was not home. Claire reported William missing, and it was not until six days after he disappeared that William's body would be found. William's body was found in the Charles River, which was near the location Claire was asked to pick William up. His death was ruled an undetermined drowning, and investigators said there wasn't any signs of foul play. However, William's mother had a copy of the autopsy report and had a physician analyze where it is debated that William reportedly had blunt force trauma that affected his head, eye socket, and left leg, which was found inconsistent with falling into the water by forensic pathologist Dr. Elizabeth Lapatosa. Dr. Lapatosa even suggested some of William's injuries could have been inflicted after William was already dead. It is noted, too, that the Charles River flows northeasterly, and William's body was found in the opposite direction before 99 Nashua. Underwater forensic investigator Rhonda Minoise states there is no way a body is going to go against the current. William also had 18 micrograms of GHB found in his system along with alcohol. Surveillance videos captured William outside the stadium struggling to maintain his balance. Near the river, a painted smiley face was found, and William was only 24 years old. Okay, can we talk about this one for a second? Yes. I'm still going with, it's a female, with high-end training, such as, like, police force or, or police academy or something. But this attack feels a lot more personal to me. But, so... I'm thinking this person got spooked somehow. Like, I'm thinking he left the hockey game with this person. So he must have trusted them enough as if he knew them. But the wife could have easily got killed too, but they chose not to. No, I think that's pretty irrelevant. Most of them are just out partying and they become inebriated. Well, this one feels a lot more personal. I don't know. I mean, 
in my opinion, it might it could be men, it could be women. Um, but given that there are some men that have different sexual orientations than others, um, I don't know if I mean I don't think you can rule out a female luring these guys. Um, but I don't think you can rule out a man luring these guys either. Well, and I'll, I'll cover this in a minute, but there's a TikToker and he, it's kind of, it's TikTok. So I, you know, kind of take it with a grain of salt, but this TikToker believes that they are being, especially nowadays with, you know, uh, Uber and Lyft, he believes that these men are being picked up and some type, like they're already inebriated and they're being picked up and that's where everything is kind of going. But um, the episode of Morbid, which I'll tell you, Ash covers it. And I think she did a wonderful job. Ash and Elena both kind of describe the stadium and they said it's a mess. Like even people who are native to Boston, it is a mess. Because, I mean, it's a big stadium and, you know, I've been to teeny tiny little stadiums and even getting out of a, a stadium that's tiny is hard to get out of or a concert, you know, it's just a, it's a clusterfuck just getting out of any kind of stadium. So I don't know. Brian Weldson was out partying in Chicago, Illinois, and celebrating Y2K with friends when he went missing. This was not common for Brian to party, as he rarely partied, and he was pretty dedicated to his university, Northern Illinois University soccer team. So he's very, very athletic. Friends who were out with Brian said he only had a few drinks, two to four being max. But he seemed very intoxicated, more intoxicated than two to four drinks would probably have him. He told his friends he wanted to go back to the hotel that they were staying at, with the exception of one of the friends, Noah Young, who stayed at the bar. On the way home, Brian got very sick and started throwing up, and a friend told him to get out of the car while he parked, and multiple witnesses outside the hotel saw Brian throwing up in the street. Somehow, the group of friends that he left with got separated from Brian, and Noah came back to the hotel roughly around 4 a.m., and he realized Brian was not in the hotel. Later that same day, Noah reported Brian missing around 1 p.m. Extensive searches ensued after he was reported missing, but it would take 77 days before Brian's body would be found. On March 17, 2000, Brian's body washed up ashore on a beach 30 miles south in Gary, Indiana. Investigators stated there was no signs of foul play and his death was ruled an undetermined drowning. Investigators theorized Lake Michigan was roughly a five-minute walk from the hotel and Brian wandered off from his friends and fell in. Toxicology discovered Brian's blood alcohol concentration was 0.084 and he was negative for multiple delimitating drugs. However, GHB was not one to be tested. So what about the witnesses that saw him throwing up? 
Like, were they also his buddies or different people? No, I think they were just out. I mean, it was Y2K. Yeah, sure. They probably just saw somebody throwing up and they were like, oh, he partied too hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dr. Cyril Wecht believes Brian was already deceased before his body was put into the water due to the fact that there was no fluid in his lungs and sand was found in his larynx. Dr. Cyril Wecht found it hard to believe Brian had been deceased for three months as there was an absence of decomposition. And it is estimated by Dr. Lee Gilbertson, Brian was only deceased for 36 hours prior to his body being discovered. Lividity was also found to be inconsistent with a body in water, such as Lake Michigan, as lividity instead was fixed on the posterior side of his body. If he was found in a lake or he died in a lake, lividity would be all over the place, and instead it was just on the posterior surface. Which is crazy. A smiling face in the area of Brian's body has not been noted by police. Brian was only 21 years old. Those are the six that are featured in the documentary. But other cases that were not in the documentary include Patrick McNeil, a 21-year-old who went missing February 16th. 1997 in New York. Patrick is believed to be victim zero. He was seen drunk by witnesses and video surveillance. Patrick's body was later found April 7th, 1997 in the East River near Brooklyn Pier. His body did show signs of decomposition. However, New York Police Department Detective Kevin Gannon stated Patrick's body showed a lack of slippage and lividity didn't add up. There was also some kind of rope burn across his neck, along with other markings, such as burns to his torso and head, and fly larvae were laid in the groin area, which also is inconsistent. Elena from Morbid is a autopsy tech, and this is something that she seemed pretty hung up on, that these larvae were found in his groin area. A few months later, on New Year's Eve in 1997, Lawrence Andrews, who was also 21 years old, was celebrating and went missing after partying in New York City. After missing for 43 days, his body was found floating in the East River in Brooklyn, New York, similar to Patrick McNeil. The smiley face killings theory had an uptick on TikTok due to suspicious deaths that have been happening in and around Chicago, Illinois. The most recent, as of April 27, 2023, Seamus Gray went missing around 1.30 a.m. on March 18, 2023. Seamus was headed back to his Navy base and was last seen on surveillance, leaving a St. Patrick's Day celebration at a bar in Wacogan, Illinois. Though he was not reported until around 2 p.m., officials immediately jumped into action. The search for Seamus, however, would end five days later, and his body was recovered in Waukegan Harbor 32 days later. Seamus was only 21 years old. So how far between the six that you're talking about and this one? Like, what? how much of a time span are we talking? Well, since patient zero, there has been a suspected 
681 total cases that may be connected, but that has since grown since the documentary. I don't know. I find it hard to think it's the same person. They'd be all over the place because this is going from, you know, Pittsburgh to Chicago, Illinois, Michigan. Well, the more fame that this case gets, the more copycats you're going to get. So that could explain the the distance between them all. Well, as of 2023, these men are still mysteriously dying. The internet seems to believe that these deaths can be the work of a few things. They believe that it is the work of, one, a serial killer, or two, serial killers, three, gang initiations, four, accidental drownings in general, or five, unsuspected foul play that may be to blame for these deaths. So those five things is generally what the internet believes so i don't agree with the serial killers the serial killer um aspect because i feel like that's a lot of wear and tear just on the killer's body and over 30 years I, i feel like they would either get sloppy or tired i think it's like a network of people i don't think it's one I think it's a group, not gang initiate. I don't believe it's gang initiations, but I believe it's like a network of people. I don't really feel like it's a gang thing either, because like maybe a cult, but not a gang. I feel like gangs are not really worried about people that aren't part of their target. Like these seem really random. There's a profile, you know, with these attacks. They're not 100% random, but there seems to be a type. Young and athletic. Yes. Unfortunately, while there are multiple similarities that link all these cases together and the mysterious death toll keeps rising, it is proposed to just be a theory. The FBI has even got involved and released their own statement debunking the theory, stating, quote, To date, we have not developed any evidence to support links between these tragic deaths or any evidence substantiating the theory that these deaths are the work of a serial killer or killers. The vast majority of these instances appear to be alcohol-related drownings. Even criminal profiler Pat Brown states, quote, It is... A smiley face not an unusual symbol if you look in an area of five square miles i bet you can find a smiley face so i don't know what do you think like i said i think this is like a network of killers i, I don't know i i think it's very thought out it's a very organized mess If you suspect that your friend is way more drunk than they should be, just take them straight to the hospital. The Uber thing is interesting. I'm wondering if there is something with the the Uber thing, because if, you know, they're they're using the Uber services or or some kind of 
ride sharing service. I'm wondering if that's how they are drawn to these these individuals, you know, these young men. So, you know, and then they kind of watch them. That's kind of interesting because, you know, I mean, they're just so random. They know that these these men have been taken to a bar and, you know, they, they know they're probably going to be drunk when they leave. I think they have somebody in the party flipping stuff. And then there's somebody on the outside. Yeah, may, yeah, right. Maybe somebody in the bar, somebody who maybe maybe the Uber people, you know, realize that there's a group of men and, you know, send somebody into the bar to observe them. And then maybe maybe somehow they get one guy moved away from his group. And I don't know. I mean. There, ha- there has to be more than one person involved. And that's why, you know, saying that there's a group of people that are abducting these men and holding them for some time, torturing them, whatever, and then releasing them into the rivers. Um, it, ha- it has to be a, a gang. The only word I can think of is a gang or a syndicate of people trying to do this to these these boys yeah but they don't like they don't do it to women they pick boys they pick right not boys they're young men high not your high risk victim i i guess i can see where people think that it's just a coincidence that this is all accidental drownings but to me it it just doesn't sit right with me it's a well-organized mess yep that's everything i've got for the smiley face murders theory you did a great job thank you you can follow us on our social medias let's get paranoid you can send us an email let us know what you think at let's get paranoid podcast at gmail.com like us share us send us some love you know we actually talked about a missing person monday our first missing person monday we actually had a decent amount of if you haven't listened we started missing person monday where we cover danger missing person persons and we just want to help i saw a gambit he was behind yes, you yes you did see gambit gam 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 totally wants to see you Aw, look at my gambit.